You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe RD to B podcast, brought to you by New Ultra. My name is Lucy Deer and I'm a third year student dietitian. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by registered dietitian Molly McKenzie Morris to discuss how to get your first job as a dietitian. Molly has previously featured on the Dietitian Cafe podcast hosted by Harriet Smith as the BDA student representative. Since then, she's graduated and been working as a Band 5 dietitian. In this episode, Molly will share her experiences of transitioning from student dietitian to a registered dietitian. We will talk about job applications, interviews and what's still to learn after you graduate. Without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Molly to introduce herself. Hi everyone, so my name's Molly McKenty morris so I'm a dietitian working over in Liverpool. Um, so I recently qualified in October. Um, I did my placement from the 1st of June through to October and fortunately got a job at the Trust where I was doing my placement. Um, and then since then I've gone into a new job, which I'm sure we'll come to talk about shortly. Brilliant. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about your own journey from being a student dietitian to being in your current role now? Yeah, so like I said, when I um, did my final placement, um, I fortunately got sent to an absolutely amazing trust full of absolutely lovely people. Um, I was there for 16 weeks. So it was quite a steep learning curve because we actually missed our P2 placements because of COVID. So I'd only done, I think it was a week, P1 was a week. So I'd only done a week's placement. So went out on my P3, didn't expect to, you know, sort of know that there was a job going that they sort of said, oh, you know, you should, you consider applying for it. Um, So we just sort of focused on the placement experience, tried to learn as much as I could. Um, And being totally honest, when I first started, it was actually is quite well it always has been quite far away from home so in my mind I always thought that as amazing as this place is or would be to work I possibly wouldn't be able to 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 get the job because even if I wanted to and was good enough to um it would be too much of a commute but as placement went on I just absolutely loved it and the people around me who supported me and like even now now we've left the trust like I still like I miss them so much I see them as like my second family like they were all absolutely brilliant with me um and yeah just when when it came to the end of it they just said oh we are advertising for some jobs um you know have a think if you're interested you should apply for it um so it kind of just came about like that really and I just thought you know, I could have applied for a job closer to home, but I might have not liked it as much. And I was getting a really good sort of vast range of experience in a lot of areas. So like, unlike a lot of hospitals, a lot of hospitals do offer like the rotational post, this wasn't. And initially I thought like, this, would this sort of be detrimental to my progression? Um, but it, it was the complete opposite. I've managed to get, a vast like I say a vast range of build a vast range of knowledge in so many different areas whether that be you know gastro cardiology uh, working on like fracture neck femur wards working with care of the elderly so I got a very very wide range of experience through doing that um so yeah so like I say started off with my placement managed to get the job there um and then with regards to transitioning to my current role 
it was a case where the commute sort of just became a little bit too much. Um, I was initially living out for placement as a student, but then once it became that I actually got the job there, it was a bit too much. So I was commuting, I was staying at some woman's twice a week. So I started to basically look for jobs closer to home and then managed to fortunately get the job that I'm in now. And I think a lot of students have concerns or worries about what their sort of career might look like or what their life might look like coming out of university. So what was the transition like for you personally from being a student to then starting work? Yeah, so I'd say it's definitely quite um, a nerve-wracking experience going from being a student to actually being that sort of healthcare professional because you know when you're a student you know that everyone's going to check over what you do or you know I mean even even now like I've started out my new job and I'm like I I qualified in October so I'm still new but again I'm like oh my gosh if if it's completely new area because it's working in sort of like a speciality it's it's like oh gosh I, I need to learn this all again and it can it can be so overwhelming I think one thing to just remember is not to put too much pressure on yourself you know the transition it does take time but I think if you just be honest with you know your supervisors or whoever it is um just the whole team if you feel you can whether it's one person whether it's numerous just be honest about how you're feeling um and make sure you ask plenty of questions and that will support you with that transition and before you know it it's just time is what helps time and experience is what gives you that confidence and you just got to remember that you know you can't just Rome wasn't built in a day you can't just know everything straight from the off and we learn by our mistakes um but it can be so easy to get bogged down so I think reaching out to other previous students or you know who are going through the same thing or just speaking to your team is really, really important. That's great advice. And you mentioned that you were lucky enough to continue on working where your your P3 placement was. Is that the stage that you started looking for jobs? Um, Do you know sort of what your your peers were doing? Did that concern you what they were doing? Um, When was everybody looking for jobs? Yeah, so I actually started looking a little bit earlier. So um what time? it was probably about February time actually so I knew of someone on our course who had fortunately done well they'd done an amazing job they managed to get a job offer um before we'd even had our p3 and initially at that point I remember thinking if a job comes up I thought I'm not going to apply for it because I haven't had my p3 yet I don't feel like I'd be confident to answer the questions in the interviews but then when I started to hear that some people have been applying, you know, I thought, you know what, I, could, I may as well try. If I see something I like, there's no harm. So I did apply for a job, which I thought obviously, unfortunately, didn't get. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's all about in, interviewing experience. And like, it's obviously a nerve wracking thing in a way to put yourself through. Um, but by doing it, obviously, you're gaining that exposure to what is expected of you and how to tailor your um, application, thinking about interview questions. Obviously, if you get an interview, you can then use those interview questions to then practice for another job application, get feedback from the people who interview you. So it's a beneficial experience, even though at the time it might feel a bit disheartening. 
you know, it's, it's definitely worthwhile. Um, so I, I did apply for one and then obviously didn't get that. And then I just thought I was getting closer and closer to my placement. And I didn't really see any prior to that that I was wanting to apply for. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do my placement, not put any more pressure on myself, just do my placement, enjoy my placement, and then just take it day by day and see how I feel. And that's what I did. And then obviously with Macclesfield, it was like, you know what, I'll, I'll apply for a job um, and see how I get on. Brilliant. And you mentioned interviews there. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people have worries and concerns about interviewing and maybe don't know what to expect if it's their first role within the NHS. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience with interviewing and if you have any top tips for anybody who's got an interview coming up? Yeah, definitely. So um, so for the two jobs that I've sort of ha- or been in have been in, um, they were actually quite different. So the first job, it was online and it was a case of like 10 questions. So the questions off the top of my head, which I can sort of remember, was they always said, there'll always be probably one on refeeding syndrome. So refeeding syndrome is something that you should always be quite clued up on. Unfortunately, because of my placement, I felt like I was, I felt like at that point I was an expert writing out how much thiamine and all this. And um, so that was something that, you know, I thought, you know, I can do that. Um, basic sort of like health and safety as well. So, you know, how would you put that into your practice? Um, sort of scenario based questions or like demonstrate a time when you've done this. So I think it's really important to sit back and think about your experiences of what you've done as a student think about those essential, those core, um, oh, I've got the what word I was going to say, all core, the important things that you need to think of, what are the NHS values, what can you demonstrate that meets those values, so like with the communication, for example, like have you done any presentations and what have you learned from that, and I think always, you always need to make your points, but you always need to say, like, so you obviously point evidence and evaluation and do that and make sure that you're explaining everything in full you're not just saying okay well I did this but okay I did this and it's taught me this and sometimes it's okay to say you know I don't know the answer to that however or not I don't know I don't have experience in that however if I was in that situation this is what I would do um I think that's really important and it just shows that you know I don't think any any trust would expect you to necessarily have such a wide experience when you're a student when you've been a student or when you are a student so it's just showing that you're able to think about all those different things um but yeah so and then I think with my second job so the job I'm in now that was a little bit more um there was a lot more I'd say like space I'd say steps to it, but it was all in one interview. So I had to do a presentation. So that was on, um, it was demonstrate a case study on a patient whose care you've been involved with. And I think it was an interesting patient. So when I came to doing this, I thought, what skills can I demonstrate that tie in with the job specification, the person specification, NHS values, the trust values, and obviously demonstrates what I've been able to do and what I can you know give to them so I gave the example um 
of a patient and I was able to say about best interest meetings considering NG tubes looking at mental capacity act versus a mental health act um because we were looking at that for this patient and all those kind of things checking adherence to sort of texture modifications and if they weren't adhered to we would day text it inform you know the relevant staff off of training those kind of things so it's thinking about sort of every aspect rather than just okay this is I went to see this patient this is what I did but what else beyond that did you take away from that what did you learn from that yourself um and then after that that was followed by eight questions as well so some of those questions were sort of like time management again scenario-based questions a lot of the time I know that people like a lot a common like interview questions like you know what would you do if you were tended to award and there was no food record charts or what would you do if you tended to award and you know there was no refeeding bloods blah 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 all that kind of stuff so I think Instagram really helped me with that um, there's a lot of student dietitians who use Instagram or dietitians use Instagram who sort of shared a lot of interview questions um, so what I just did was get a notebook and just make a note of all different questions and just work through them over time um, and then yeah just thinking about those key experiences that you've got to demonstrate each thing so like communication so it could be you know you've spoken to someone who's hard of hearing did you speak louder did you speak slower did you maybe have to write on paper just all those kind of things and I suppose like being able to think on the spot as well that's a big one so obviously in, in your job you know you, you've got to be able to do that and uh, each patient is so different so um, it's being able to demonstrate that uh, with your questions with your answer sorry <laughs> Brilliant. I'm sure lots of people will be able to take that advice on board and be really grateful for that. So through this podcast, we've sort of explored some different career opportunities and paths that are available to student dietitians. And even within the NHS, there's lots of different ways you can go. So how did you know what kind of job was right for you? Yeah, so I think for me, to be honest, I haven't really known for a very long time. I've known areas that I've been interested in, but I've never necessarily thought, right, I'm going to go down that path. I know a lot of people who have said to me from the get go, oh, I want to work in paediatrics or, oh, you know what, renal interests me. Um, and I was sort of on the fence of like, and I know I'm interested in neurology or neurosciences or that kind of area, but I don't actually have the experience to know that like I've done a bit in university but it was more just over time as things evolved so you know working in my old job like I said it was a very general role which was amazing because it gave me some really really important skills um but because it was so general I kind of felt like I actually did want that specialist role ironically um so I just was basically just started looking for some jobs closer to home um and the job that I'm in now came up and there were so many things on the job specification where I thought this is actually exactly what I want in a job so I've always been really interested in tube feeding it was something that initially I was like when I first started off student I was like oh how am I doing this I'm not I'm not a whiz at maths I thought how am I doing this and once I got it, I, I just thought, this is great. I can do this. And, you know, I felt useful 
do you know what I mean so when I do like you do the food first or the supplements I almost felt like you, you don't know necessarily if that's gonna be taken on board necessarily by your patients whereas with the tubes there's a much there's a much greater appreciation from you know sort of like the medical team but also you know the patient as well if you know if they're alert and we can help them maybe with symptom management things like that um and then obviously um it was just yeah I don't know I just thought I thought well why not and when I like I say when I was in university learned a bit about like neurology or neuroscience neurosurgery that kind of thing um and my lecturer at the time she did she used to work where I'm working now and she did a lecture on it was on, it was on Parkinson's motor neuron disease and MS so multiple sclerosis and I remember being really interested in that um and like understanding things at like like a a molecular level I don't know if that's the right word to be honest um, but you know with in terms of like um levodopa interactions or that kind of thing like stuff like that anything that was chemistry related has always really interested me um so obviously that ties in with the biology side of things um and I just thought this is really interesting um I've got a lot of family friends or friends their family members as well who have been affected by these conditions so it was something to me that sort of I felt I had that interest in and I just thought you know what I'm, I'm going to go for it and see um in my founding year of university as well we had a lecturer come in well online and he did lecture for us on uh, nutritional management in the intensive care unit and that was like and that was like a whole new world it was just like mind-blowing what dietitian can do and I just thought like could you be could that be like could you be in a more rewarding job than being an ICU dietitian personally from my own opinion I don't think you can that, that that's my own opinion obviously but um yeah so with this role um I'm not working ICU, but there is an ICU within the trust in the same building as the acute wards and the rehab wards. Um, so I have been able to sort of in the first few weeks sort of shadow, do get a bit of ICU experience. And they have said over time, you know, that might be something that I might be able to gain more experience in, whether that be, you know, shadowing colleagues or whatever. Um, and it's amazing because you get to see patients from when they're admitted straight through their journey so when they come in on ICU then they might go up to say like the acute wards and then they might go into like the rehab unit or whatever so it you get to see that that change in people um which is amazing and then again for me I've never really wanted to work in a huge trust um my old trust was quite a small one it was a district general so I quite like that um and where I am now because it's a specialist trust again it's not too too much so um there's not a huge amount of wards so you're not like constantly thinking how many patients have I got to see see in a day because that's not the priority here the priority is that you see patients and you do your job well and safely and effectively rather than you know trying to see eight twelve I don't know whatever patients a day and maybe even compromising patient safety that's not what we want so um 
it's just it's just brilliant um and you know they're really big on like audits um cpd so you know obviously continuous professional development is really important they give you time to do that we have like meetings weekly with like mdt meetings so it's really really joint up with like other therapies and i think that's just really important um so yeah so i just saw the job specification and i just thought you know what this sounds this sounds great so i'm gonna go for it and um i don't regret it i'm happy that i've made that transition and i think people have got to remember that you know although some might say oh well i'm thinking about this but i'm not sure nothing has to ever be forever you know what i mean for me, I think hopefully I'll be I'll be where I am forever. But you know that's the amazing thing about dietetics is you can do so much, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the NHS either. Um. So yeah. And what skills and experiences did you find quite useful to have under your belt when you were applying for these jobs? So I'd say a big one was like communication skills. So. I think my role as BDA student rep helped a lot with this, to be honest. Before that, I was quite shy. I'd say quite an anxious person. Um, I mean, I I was one of those I would sort of put my hands up in lectures and answer things. That was more just for me, for my learning. I just thought, well, you you get in, you get out what you put in, don't you? So, um, but as I was BDA student rep, I managed to attend lots of like board of directors meetings, lots of sort of like zoom meetings with people to discuss various sort of opportunities um and that just sort of helped me not just like for applying for jobs and obviously the the job interviews itself but um just being able to sort of reflect on my skills as well and how having that communications just helped me in so many different ways you know communicating with doctors communicating with speech and language whoever it is it's helped me in so many different ways um so that's that's one then I'd say probably um well I'd say a lot of a lot of the experiences have helped me with applying for jobs um just purely based off what they've taught me um in all the different areas like I mentioned before um but things like time management as well that's a big one so you know, obviously when you're in work or on placement, you have to be able to manage your own time. Eventually you'll be given your own caseload. Um, so it's being able to demonstrate that when you're applying for jobs, how did you manage that? What did you do? Was that you had to, you know, factor in that you had meetings? Was it the fact that you were planning for presentations, those kind of things? Also, you know, being resilient. So if you you, you know as a student it, it's exhausting I remember coming home and I'd fall asleep and I'd be thinking oh my gosh I need to get up make tea do work and it was exhausting so being resilient is a big thing um you know when you're applying for jobs you're not you're not necessarily you know you're not necessarily gonna be able to maybe get the job the first time for example or um you know things might not go the way you want um you might be exhausted but being able to demonstrate that you've been resilient in other ways, so through your job, is is another essential component. Um, again, I've mentioned sort of the MDT working. I think that's important when applying for jobs. Being able to say how you've 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 been able to do that, um, and then the self reflection. So, 
thinking about what what you've how you've developed as a person how you can demonstrate that in the application um obviously you need to try and make it tie up with the job specification and you know the person specification but um it just shows if you can say well I did this and this shows this then it shows you've really thought about it rather than just saying okay well they want me to demonstrate that I've shown this skill and I'm just going to basically write like a two second sentence that shows it you need to really expand on it as well um so yeah um I think to be honest through placement you'll get so many experiences that will help you applying for jobs and there, you know therefore I wouldn't be stressed if you know you've got friends who are applying for jobs and you're thinking well I haven't had my placement yet I don't feel ready to that's totally fine if people feel ready as well that's also fine but I just think you'll get so many experiences as a student on placements so just go in and absorb as much information as you can and then just think about it make a note of it and you know you could do a little mind map of all the skills that you might need for the job um and just think about what you've done and how did you build your confidence whilst you were in your first job yeah so I definitely say that does come with time um in my first job in my job now I went through this phase where and I don't know if it's just me it might be other people too but for like the first few weeks maybe even a month I was like I can't actually think about exactly what I need to do so I was having like I was just having a bit of brain fog basically I was like I know I can do this I've done this this is basic but it was almost like the application and you know some people they can be really smart and have best grades but when it comes to application it could be a completely different story um, and I think application is such a really important well it is to be able to do your job you've got to be able to apply it um, so I think it's just sort of being honest about where you're at with your confidence and your competencies so don't just try and do a job because you think well they the team think I should be able to do this because if you don't know how to do it, you could do something that could be unsafe, you know, unsafe for your patient. So it's always making sure that you're honest about where you're at. Um, but with regards to building confidence, I say, you know, obviously it is just a lot of it is gaining experience, but it's using those the people who are there to help you, you know, communicating with you. So in my first job, um, the band seven she was great me like she'd come out to the wards with me she'd be like right let's go and do this together she'd show me what to do um we're really fortunate as well that we had sort of um a platform to communicate with one another so if I was on a ward and I was thinking oh my gosh I'm actually not sure I could just send her a message on there and she could say yeah that's great or what about this and I think um that really helped me I didn't want to become too reliant on asking too many questions. And I know that it's important to ask questions. It's very important. And you should never feel like there's a silly question. Um, but I wanted to be able to try and build my confidence in thinking what the answer or what their potential answer could be for myself first before going to her. Um, so I think over time, it's sort of just being able to self-reflect and say, okay, well, what experience have you had? What did you do last time? You know, you could make an, you could take a notebook around and say, okay, well, if someone's got 
loose stools what am I going to look at and you could you know you could have different points you can have okay well are they on laxatives are they on IV antibiotics there's different things that you can consider so um you know you could work through it um and it's just being able to sort of make sure those resources are there to help you so in my old job as well I had um I made my own ward file so anything safe to do with like speech and language texture modifications level four level five level six I'd have them kept in but I'd also look over them read them um I would also communicate with speech and language therapists and say like oh is this okay for this and they'd be like no 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 and I'd be like right okay and just check with them first um but yeah I think um having a really supportive team is a big one and just being able to say you know if you're concerned about something or um you know them prompting you to consider what to do rather than telling you what to do um and also just doing your own extra reason and I know that's hard to do when you are so exhausted you're working you know long days and you've got your own university work to do or whatever as well but any little extras that you can do when you can you know it doesn't have to be done necessarily right away that can really help so for me obviously in my new job so so in in a neuro sort of specialist trust I'm there's so much new terminology which I'm not familiar with so for example I'll just make a note of you know the key terminology I'll maybe google it write it down um or go away and do my own reason whether that be you know in it doesn't necessarily have to be big journal articles it could be in the, your own format that you find helps you the most whether that be youtube videos you know whether that be like coloring books on like the anatomy of the brain you know what I mean so it's finding things that work well for you um and adapting your learn the learning that you do to the sort of the suitable styles um but yeah ask lots of questions as well like I said there's no silly question um just try try to think about what you would do first I would say is a good one to do and as you become more confident, you'll realise that maybe you don't have to ask as many questions or, you know, you've you've got that idea in mind and you think you know what to do, but you just want to check run through with someone. That's totally fine. Um, I mean, like I say, I, I must ask a lot of questions and I think my, my supervisors must be like, oh, gosh, Molly's blooping me again. Um, but I mean, hopefully they don't they don't mind. Um, but you know it supports it supports me in my learning and at the end of the day the team know that you're a band five they know that you're not going to know everything um, so yeah I just say don't don't put too much pressure on yourself as well. And what did you find were the main challenges that you faced going into your first job as a dietitian? So I'd say like that imposter syndrome which everyone talks about is a huge one um, and I sort of forgot about that when I settled into my old job and then obviously I started fresh and it was like oh my gosh like you know speaking to say like doctors or whoever it is SHOs and thinking like how do I word this so it doesn't sound like I'm being patronizing because in actual fact I'm really nervous to speak to them but I've got to ask them you know have they maximized the anti-emetic thought you know that kind of thing whereas in my old job I was like almost marching and going, no, oh, no, we need to do this and we need to do that. Um, so I think that that's a real big challenge. Um, you know, at the end of the day, 
you just got to remember that it will sort of phase with time and as long as you're doing stuff to sort of enhance your knowledge as you go you know you're only improving your your knowledge so you're going to become more confident going back to like the last question you're going to become more confident because you're going to have more of an idea of what you're doing um but yeah it's just having that support isn't it but um one of the main challenges for me in my sort of first job was the fact that it was so far away from home so it was about an hour and a half to get to work um and two days a week I stayed at some woman's house and she was absolutely lovely but I'd never done that before and to be honest it was quite terrifying I used to go in and I used to run upstairs and I used to sit in bed and eat like a salad and go to sleep (laughs) and she used to say like are you okay and I used to be I just used to be really nervous and I think I am like that a lot of the time um when I meet new people which I'm working on um but you know what um it was yeah it was just it was difficult because obviously when I was at home I was exhausted and then even when I say this woman's, I was exhausted. So most of the time I would have my tea and I would fall asleep straight away and that'd be it. I'd be out for the count the whole the whole night. Um so yeah, I think that was really difficult for me. Um and obviously, you know, when it's in winter when it's dark early and you just you're just there like, oh, this is not this is not good. Um but I think it's just trying to have those plans in place. So like for me, I did have to stay at this woman's twice a week. And whilst initially it was a bit nerve wracking and, you know, overwhelming and thinking like, oh, I'm actually really, I'm not really far away from home, but I'm away from home. And this is not what I wanted in a job. I didn't want to have to be, be away from my family and my friends, even if it is just two nights a week. And, you know, the petrol as well was costing me a fortune um, you know the money to stay at, at this lady's house as well all those different things um, but on the plus side it did it did give me those two nights to sort of get that good night sleeping and sort of recharging batteries so I think it's making sure that you know if you do come across some challenges have those sort of plans in place that can support you um, you know it's it's one of those you know sometimes it might be something that the team might be able to help you with so you can tell them sometimes it might be something that you know only you could really you know sort something out for example me staying at a woman's house um but I just like I say I come back to the same answer every time but if you just communicate what you're struggling with um you know you'll get some really good advice from people um whether that be you know dietitians or family or friends or whoever it is um sometimes I think when you when you are facing many challenges sometimes it can be hard to sort of navigate those answers because you're feeling overwhelmed so it's just sort of reaching out to other people and making sure that support's there that's great advice molly thank you and if on the on the subject of advice if you could go back in time and give advice to your own student self knowing everything that you know now what would that advice be probably be don't be so hard on myself <laughs> i used to um even in first year of university i was one of those like everyone would go out on a wednesday night and i'd just be like no i'm not going out and stay at home and i'd just do work like it was 
it was a bit much to be honest I think too hard on myself um yeah even you know throughout like the lockdowns I had nothing else to do so all I'd do was revise and learn stuff um and I think you know it's so easy to think oh my gosh I have to learn this because this is my patience and I want to give the best care possible and make sure everything I'm doing is safe and that was very much how I thought um but since then starting out in the obviously two jobs as just say you learn so much more when you're actually on the job and I think just enjoy the learning process but get that balance of being able to go out with your friends because once you start a job that time <laughs> drastically reduces um so I think it's just getting the balance of like sort of your workloads, but also your social life, your mental health as well. You know, you don't want to be bogged down thinking, oh, well, all my friends are out doing this and I'm not doing it because I'm worried about an exam. And, you know, it's it's being able to think, OK, well, I'm sitting for whether it's two hours, do a bit of work and then I'll go out rather than think, no, I'm going to stay in all night. But I think a lot of that as well is it's down to like the nature of who you are as a person because I know a lot of people are probably like the complete opposite way where they're like, I'm not doing any work, I'll do it last minute and I'll go out and they won't care. And that's in a way, I'm kind of jealous of that because I wish I sort of cared a bit less. Um, but for those who are like me, I'd just say, yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. Give yourself a break and remember what a good job you're doing. Um, for me, my biggest help has been, you know, my, my family, my friends who have constantly said to me, you know, you're doing great they're your support network so like my mum will come in and say Molly are you gonna have some time out now you know you need to wind down for bed or whatever it was I remember you know I'd, I'd go on walks with my boyfriends we'd go on like a two-hour walk and all I would talk about was this SGLT2 paper that I was writing and he must have got so sick of me talking about it and you just think like at some point you've got to switch off and it's just knowing that you know whatever grade you get as long as you don't fail anything you're going to be fine um just just take that pressure off yourself I'd say brilliant I'm sure lots of people will appreciate that advice and have those same sort of thoughts that you've described there well thank you so much for your time today Molly and for sharing your valuable experience with us it's been fantastic to hear about everything you've been up to since you last featured on the dietitian cafe podcast Molly's social media handles will be linked in the show notes for you to take a look at. She posts some fantastic resources there. A huge thank you once again to New Altra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs. You can also follow New Altra on social media at New Altra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you so much for listening and our next episode will be out soon. 